Good morning, church. My name is Tony King, and along with my wife, Jolisha, we serve as evangelist and women's ministry leader here in the Edge Ministry in the New York City Church of Christ. I'd also like to take a moment to introduce you to the rest of my family. Uh, this is my son, Jalen, who's also a disciple here in campus. Uh, he is finishing up his freshman year. And my daughter, Jada, who's a freshman in high school. And uh, man, we are super excited to be here in New York. And I personally just wanted to thank the church for making us feel so welcome as we transition from the South. You know, transitioning from the South, we've had an opportunity to experience a lot of firsts, right? This was the first time my family experienced snow of this magnitude. Uh, this was the first time my family got an opportunity to see people just park in the streets, just get out of their cars and leave them, right? But, uh, but we are so grateful um, and so thankful just for the love that we've received since being here. You know, and this morning, I'm extremely grateful to be able to be sharing God's word with us. As we continue in our Sunday sermon series, Jesus said, I have the honor to talk about one thing that Jesus said that should change the way we think, act, and feel about ourselves going forward. That one thing that Jesus said was, you are worth more than many sparrows. If you would turn over to Matthew chapter 10, starting in verse 26, we'll pick up reading there as we see what Jesus says to us. In verse 26, scripture reads, So do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What I whisper in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside of your father's care. And even the very hairs on your head are numbered. So do not be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. I love this passage because Jesus just reminds us of our worth. You know, that word worth or value, you know, interchangeable. It can mean different things to different people. What's valuable to me may not be valuable to you. And I'm hoping that this morning, as we look at the things that's going to be valuable to God, they will be the same things that's valuable to us, right? I think about things that's been valuable to me in my life that people didn't think were so valuable. You know, I remember in high school, um, my grandfather had bought me my first car. This was a uh, 1981 Blue Buick Regal. Now, this car burned more oil than it did gas. So I was putting more oil in it daily than I was putting gas in it. You know, the roof was made of cloth 
And so if you've ever owned a vehicle like this, you know that those cloth roof roofs, they rip and all of this yellow cotton falls all in your hair, falls everywhere. So you have to get these thumbtacks to hold the, uh, the roof up, the cloth roof up. And so I just remember uh, riding around with all this stuff blowing everywhere, all in my hair, all in my friend's hair, right? But my grandfather had paid $700 for this car. And, you know, to me, this car was so valuable, not because this was a cool car. Uh, this car wasn't, valuable, wasn't uh, so valuable to me because it was my first car. This car was valuable to me because of who gave it to me. My grandfather. See, I know I didn't deserve this car. I didn't even ask for this car. You know, and to be truthful, um, I was probably a horrible grandson. I was extremely lazy, selfish as all get out, very disrespectful. And so this car, you know, that, that my grandfather had bought for me, I remember when I went off to college, I gave it to my brother. And coming back at the end of my fall quarter, coming back at the end of my fall quarter, I remember uh, getting home and the car being broken down. And they told me it was going to be $3,000 to fix this car. Now, most people thought I was crazy if I paid $3,000 to fix a car that was only worth $700. But what they didn't know is that I would have paid twice that amount because of what that car meant to me. And see, I now know that that's how God uh, can feel about you and I, you know, the same way I felt about that car. You know, man, maybe we aren't in the best shape, right? Maybe there's things wrong with us, you know, but God went a step further. He actually paid the price to redeem us and it cost him his son's blood. So what's my point in all this? is that just like that car was worth a lot to me, even though it had problems, all kinds of issues, and didn't work half the time, our lives can be the same way. But with God, he still sees us as valuable, even to the point of calling us his special possession. Right now, this passage in Matthew chapter 10, it's talking about, uh, you know, how we are worth more than many sparrows. Right. And it tells us not to be afraid. You know, scripture over 365 times tells us in some shape, form or fashion to not be afraid. I believe this is God's way of reminding us every day of the year not to be afraid. Right. Because during this time uh, that Jesus is, is saying this. Right. The purpose of this sparrow, this sparrow was the cheapest source of food that you could get. So it was nothing for someone to kill a sparrow or many of them at once. They weren't very valuable, right? But this is how the disciples could have felt like their life was worth nothing. But Jesus explained that with God, that's not the case. If this is how God cares for a sparrow that is so insignificant, how much more does he care about you and I? You know, maybe you've had these thoughts with everything going on in the world today. You know, it's easy to feel discouraged, undervalued, 
unimportant or simply afraid. And so today I want to talk about that a little with us. I have two short points. Uh, my first point is what God considers valuable. If you would turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 14, starting in verse 2, you know, I just want to talk a little bit about what God considers valuable, right? And this is during a time when Moses is trying to remind the Israelites how special they are to God. In Deuteronomy 14, verse 2, it says, For you are a people holy to the Lord, your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possessions. Out of all the billions of people on this earth, God looks at you and says, you are my treasured possessions. Right. And remember, these were people God had given his law to. And so he was expecting them to set an example of how they should live because they were set apart. And so God does that same thing with us now, because over in first Peter chapter two, we see Peter reassures us of this exact same thing. In first Peter chapter two, starting verse nine, scripture says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light, right? You are God's special possession. God chose us to declare his praises. That is why we are so valuable. And because God could have chosen anybody to declare his praises, but he chose us. And so I think it's very important that we know our value. Right. Because see, when we know our value, Satan can't just sell us to the highest bid and sin. Right. Satan wants to make us think little of ourselves. He wants to make you and I think God doesn't love us or care about us or that we aren't important in God's big scheme. Right. But that's a lie. Satan is speaking his native tongue. Scripture says when he speaks it. That, that he's lying, that he is the father of lies, right? Satan is a true salesman, and he's always trying to sell us on these lies. Just like he got me in high school, you know, my car was worth a lot more than I sold it for. But I was too impatient to wait on raising the money to fix it, so I listened to his lie. This morning... What lie is Satan trying to get you to listen to? You know, do he lie to you about deceitfulness so you can get out of trouble instead of taking responsibility? Right. That's something I've struggled with my whole life. Right. Because I don't want to get in trouble. Right. Or does he lie to you or, or try to sell you to someone who on your worst day spiritually doesn't help you get back close to God? In other words, do you just go to people who tell you what you want to hear? Right? Because see, Satan can whisper in our ear the same way Jesus whispers in our ear. Or maybe you've lost a job over the last year with this pandemic. Does Satan try to make you question your self-worth? 
Instead, maybe God is trying to position you for something better or get you out of a bad situation. Does he lie to you on finding a spouse instead of faithfully waiting on the Lord? Right. And see, there's nothing wrong with wanting a spouse. But when our emotions lead us to dating or marrying someone because we're lonely and we become anxious or impatient and not willing to wait on God, that's when the trouble can come in. Ask yourself, what could this possibly cost me by doing that? See, Satan has been lying and deceiving us since the beginning of man, right? He deceived Adam and Eve with a piece of fruit, and it cost them their relationship with God. He deceived Esau with some stew, and it cost him his birthright. He deceived Judas with 30 pieces of silver coins, and it cost him his life. He deceived Ananias and Sapphira with wanting to look good in front of the church, and it cost them their spiritual lives. Make no mistakes, brothers and sisters. Satan is a great deceiver, and he wants to deceive you. The question is, what is it going to cost you? You know, in John 10, verse 10, Scripture tells us that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy, right? That's what Satan is here to do, is to kill and steal and destroy. But brothers and sisters, don't let Satan use your past to determine your worth. You were purchased with something that Satan can't afford. That's Christ's blood. That's a price too high for him to pay. And if you are watching online to all of our friends and our visitors, I want you to know this morning that God is trying to purchase you with the same blood because you too are valuable to him. Don't sell yourself cheap. Satan can't afford the price that God is willing to pay for you. Right? Over in John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, the scripture reads, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him. This is the price that God was willing to pay for you so that you could be saved. Acts 17, verse 26 and 27. From one man, he made all nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out the appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. I love this passage because it helps to remind me that God has chosen not only me, not only you, but God has also put people in our lives to help us in our relationships with him. God has put people in our lives to help us to figure out where we should live. Uh, so that we can find God. God has put people in our lives to, to uh, help us to see where we should work so that 
it can help us in our relationship with God. You've ever wondered why you uh, moved across the street from uh, a neighbor or a friend and, and they invite you over to their house and, and they talk to you about God? Maybe it's because this is God trying to get your attention. Or maybe you're at work and this person at work is always kind, is always giving. Maybe this is God trying to show you who he is through this person. Don't overlook what God is doing. My second point, what did Jesus say? Right? As we've been going through this series, Jesus said, it's been so cool to see all of the things that Jesus has said. Right? And Jesus said some really cool things. And in verse 27, Scripture says that what Jesus tells us is profound. It says, so do not be afraid of them, for there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. What did Jesus say to you? What has he been whispering in your ear? And whatever it is, do you believe the things he's telling you? Or are you listening to the lies of Satan? You know, church, I want you guys to dream with me for a second here, right? This only take a second, right? I want you guys to think about one person, just one, right? I know many people may come to your mind, but just think about one person who you'd like to see become a Christian. Maybe it's a family member a co-worker, a neighbor, a long-lost friend whom you haven't seen in a while, right? What would happen if you prayed for them today, right? When service is over, you got out on your knees, you prayed for them today. Then you called them or you met with them and you shared your story with them of how you came to God. And then you invited them to church, Right? Maybe not everyone will respond favorably, but imagine the lives that would be changed from the ones who do. Wouldn't it be great to spend eternity with those people that you've been praying for? Right? How would your home look if that family member accepted Jesus? Every time the family got together, how would it look to have uh, more relatives? being disciples? How would your job look if your co-worker or co-workers became disciples? It would make going to work so much more pleasurable, right? What about your neighborhood? How would that look as you walk with your family up and down the street and now your conversation isn't about the sports games or, or any of that stuff, but it's about God every time you run into them? I want to encourage us that this doesn't have to be a dream. We can start today proclaiming Jesus if you haven't already been doing so to our campus and our teens. You know, when you listen to God, when God is whispering in your ear, 
Man, make it your goal to tell as many people who will listen to you about Jesus in school, on social media, everywhere you go. To our singles, man, share God with every co-worker, every neighbor, every person you meet on public transportation, every family member you come in contact with. Now is the time. God has put these people in your life for such a time as this. Even if you haven't talked to them in years, now is the time to talk to them. And to our marriage, start with your family proclaiming Jesus. Make it a point to share Christ in your home with your children, with your grandchildren. Share with your neighbors, share in the grocery stores, at the bodegas, in the Home Depots, in the Lowe's, basically wherever you go, we need to be proclaiming God. See, don't buy Satan lies that people aren't open. Don't buy Satan lies that you can't find anyone to help become a Christian. Let's listen to what Jesus said. See, this can be scary, right? It's great when you hear messages like this on Sunday. And then Monday morning rolls around and you have to go into work. And that minister that was up there preaching, firing you up, and he's at home. And it's just you, right? I think this is why Jesus reminds us so many times to do not be afraid. He says we shouldn't be afraid. And I just want to give us a couple of reasons, right? In Matthew 10, verse 19, Scripture says, Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I can mess stuff up really quick, right? I can say the wrong things. But when we are proclaiming Jesus, the Scripture says in Matthew 10 that Jesus will give us what to say and how to say. He says, you will be given what to say, right? He also said that not to, to worry. He says, not one sparrow will fall to the ground outside of his care. He even knows the number of hairs on your head. I don't know about you, but man, this blows my mind because it lets me know that Jesus knows every intricacy about me. Like Jesus cares so much about me. If he's not going to let a single sparrow fall to the ground outside of his care, how much more is he going to take care of me? Brothers and sisters, as we are pro you know, proclaiming Jesus, know that he is taking care of you. And then the last one. Matthew 28, we all know this, this verse very well, where Jesus tells us, and he said, he will be with us always to the very end of age. None of us know when that very end of age is, but Jesus says he'll be with us till then. Always, right? Like he doesn't go take a nap break, right? Like he doesn't go need a lunch break. He says he's going to always be with us. At the most important times when we need him, he's right there, right? He's not checked out. He's not in line at the DMV. He's with you. You're valuable 
because we are world changers that God has chosen to use. And if you really believe that every time you open your mouth, you are changing the world, understand you are valuable to God because that's what's happening. He's given us the words to say. In Hebrews chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, Scripture says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show this same diligence to the very end so that what you hope for may be fully realized. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Right. And I want to I want to talk about this for a second here. Right. Um, because God says he will no longer forget your work. Right. God says he won't forget the work that you are doing and the love you have shown him as you help others. Man, imagine hearing this from God. He's like, hey, I haven't forgotten how you helped your neighbor across the street get to know me. I didn't forget that coworker who was going through so much at your job. I didn't forget how you labored and you cried for them and you pleaded with me to help save their soul. This is the God we serve that doesn't forget. And in closing, why must we do this, church? Second Peter chapter three, verse eight and nine, it says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish but everyone to come to repentance. And see, there's a huge difference between God being slow and God being patient with you, right? He says, don't confuse those two. He says, he is not slow. It says, he does not want anyone to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. And so God doesn't work on our time. His time is completely different from ours. And so this morning, maybe you've been praying for your family for years. Maybe you've been praying for your coworkers for years, for your neighborhood for years. God said, you know what? Hey, that's okay. I am not slow, right? He says with him, he says a year uh, it's like a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a day. So we may go years, but to God, it's just a day. But to us, it may seem like eternity. God, why haven't you saved them? And God says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. As some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. And so this morning, I pray that 
as we've heard some of the things God has said, church, that that we listen and we put it into practice. You know, Jesus said, you are worth more than many sparrows this morning. Do you believe that? And if so, let's live our lives like we do. Don't believe Satan's lies any longer because the truth really is you are worth more than many sparrows. To God be the glory. Father, thank you so much for the way you love us and believe in us. Father, for the way that you you gave up your son, you allow him to shed blood and be beaten, Father, for our sins. God, that we may one day have a relationship with you. God, right now, as we get ready to take communion, God, we thank you for uh, the body that was broken. God, for the bread that represents his body this morning. God, for the juice that represents his blood. God, as we take this, God, help us to remember, God, the broken body uh, that was presented to you for our sins. Father, we love you so much. We thank you for this time. We give you all the honor, all the glory, and all the praise. And pray all these things in your holy and precious son, Jesus Christ's name.